0: Money FM 89.3, the best of the afternoon update. Market View on Money FM 89.3. Welcome to Market Wrap on Market View. This is the last one of this year. I'm Bin Jung and it's the final day of trading for this year as well. So to kick off this final day of 2023, the Streets Times Index looks set to close the year on a good note. The STI edged higher at the opening bell, tracking overnight gains on Wall Street. And taking a look at the STI now, it's still well up in the green. It's currently up 0.9% at 3. 3- 20, points we have advancers leading the pack two hundred and to decliners at one hundred and ninety four after seven hundred and ninety eight million securities worth five hundred and thirty six million Singapore dollars changing hands so far but will this positive momentum continue into the new year well to take a look at the outlook for 2024 as well as some Singapore stock market highlights joining me today is one of my favorite guests on the show Jeff Howie, market strategist at the SGX. Good afternoon, Jeff. It's the final trading day of 2023.
1: Yeah, hi. It is too, Bin. Almost there. <laughs>
0: Almost there. Okay, so Jeff, overall though, do we have a brighter or more pessimistic outlook for 2024 in Singapore?
1: Well, I think the consensus is for a brighter outlook because we have had a comparatively flat mm-hmm. performance this year for the Singapore economy with sub 1% growth. And, right. for that re- and for that matter, the STI and the broader ASEAN benchmark has been pretty flat as well. But what's happening next year is Singapore's GDP growth rate, it is expected to double up. Mm. And ADB forecasts us to achieve 2.5% growth next year. Uh, MAS survey professional forecasters maybe three weeks ago, their expectations were for 2.3% growth next year. So this is all in spite of these outlooks that we saw pre-November, mind Mm -hmm. you, for flat to decelerating growth across the globe next year.
0: Okay, so is that a reason for the gains we've seen, you know, this week, the so-called Santa rally we discussed last Friday?
1: Yeah, possibly... There's also been, I guess, some mean reversion factors Mm -hmm. that were at play ahead of the year end because following that accolade last year of being APAC's strongest equity benchmark, we really had our, I would say, our most immobile year in modern times. The STI, it's unlikely to break above thirty four ten today, it's unlikely to break below twenty nine ninety. And because of that factor this year stands to be the narrowest percentage trading range for the SDI based on all data that I can find going back to 1985. So what's <laughs> happened is for the fourth quarter through mm. to the December, the SDI had been lagging its mm-hmm. reach is and the FTSE APAC index, and that underperformance mm-hmm. was possibly stretched to a point that attracted relative value traders in mid to late December, which has coincided with the STI tripling the gain of the FTSE APAC index over the past eight sessions or so.
0: Okay, well, did this have to do with interest rates as well?
1: Yeah, I think the flat performance this year was Mm. definitely impacted by tighter financial conditions. From a sector perspective, Mm. the three banks do comprise 45% of the STI and the STI also has six REITs that comprise around 125 to 13% of the weighting. So the true of banks averaged around 3% total returns this year, ahead of today, mm. and while the six REITs in the STI were performing comparatively better towards the tail end of the year, in the end the banks had around three times the impact on the STI than the REITs. So that tighter financial condition has had the impact in a somewhat overarching way Mm -hmm. because both the banks and the REITs are impacted. The tighter financial conditions impact the bank's ability to grow their loan book and Mm -hmm. achieve loan growth this year. And it also impacts the REITs financing costs.
0: So I think
1: the more dovish outlook for rates in 2024 that really has gained traction over the past two FOMCs that what was it, the 1st of November and the 13th of December? Mm-hmm. That really has been supporting equities globally. It's been reducing treasury yields and importantly for our region as well, lowering the U.S. dollar somewhat.
0: I see. So which stocks would you say on STI outperformed this year?
1: I think it was really Keppel and Semco throughout ah. the year. And they saw the biggest deviations to that flatline with total returns in the vicinity of 50%. They're both stocks that, I guess you could say, pursuing significant pivots to sustainable energy solutions and building capacity of renewable energy measured in gigawatts. Mm -hmm. So, for instance, Keppel's infrastructure division, it makes up around two-thirds of its revenue, and its renewable energy portfolio is now at three gigawatts that makes up 60% of its total energy portfolio, which is 4.9 gigawatts. So that's projects that have capacity and also in development. The renewable projects, the majority is solar, then wind, and then to a lesser extent, hydropower. And then you've also got SamCorp Industries, whose gross renewable capacity is 13 gigawatts. And it did announce in November its next five year strategic plan that will see the Semcorp company look to build its gross installed renewables capacity to 25 gigawatts, effectively doubling what it is now over the next five years. Most of its major markets, are, of course, China, India, Southeast Asia and the UK, more so than Singapore. And then on the other side, in terms of outperformers, Singapore Airlines and Genting Singapore obviously benefited from stronger operating conditions, but at the same time, they're also making strategic moves. Singapore Airlines is continued to look at that 25% stake in Air India, and Genting, Singapore's waterfront development did receive government provisional permission to, for construction to commence next year.
0: I see. So, well, I mean, what about the stocks that saw the most fun inflows and outflows then?
1: In terms of the institutional fund flows, we saw around $4 billion of net institutional outflow of the year. For context, that's comprised of more than $100 billion of total net institutional inflow, and more than 100 billion of total net institutional outflow. And the net of the two, when you put them together, came to around 4.1 billion Singapore dollars. Now, that comprised of more in the first half of the year, so 2.7 billion of the net outflow was in the first half of the year, then 1.4 billion of that net outflow was in the second half of the year you look within the STI, venture, city developments, and UOB book the highest net institutional outflow proportionate to mm. their respective stock market capitalization, while Sam book the highest net institutional inflow proportionate to its stock market cap. I make that point always just point out that institutional outflows and retail outflow, inflows and so forth, always good to kind of put in perspective in terms of the size of the stock, because obviously the bigger the stock, the more flows it naturally attracts, inflow and outflow. So I guess from a Perspective, it was the trio of banks within the SDI that led the net institutional outflow. They're also the biggest stocks. So they saw around 2.6 billion of net institutional selling. Followed by the REIT sector, which booked close to 1 billion in net institutional selling. So they're expected to really kind of dominate whether it's inflow or outflow because DBS, OCBC, UOB, they comprise around 24% of our total market cap, and REITs is exactly half of that, around 12% of our total market cap. And as I said, that impact of tighter financial conditions is somewhat of an overarching driver.
0: So given all of this then, how is the outlook for the stock market earnings next year?
1: The outlook for the less tighter financial conditions. It also saw that MAS survey professional forecasters revise expectations Higher for Singapore corporate profitability next year. I think back in September, economists were evenly divided on whether corporate profitability would be higher, stable or lower next year. And the expectations for higher corporate profitability have since increased by 24 percentage points. So that would be up from 33% to 57%. While expectations for stable corporate profitability, more than half and expectations for lower corporate profitability declined around 4 percentage points to 29% expectations. But note that this all hinges pretty much, as we said, on those less tight financial conditions.
0: I see. Well, you know, geopolitical tensions have factored into corporate outlooks, I must say. So how have investors been contending with that?
1: Yeah, I guess the potential for further geopolitical destabilization, I guess, globally, it's always remaining firmly in the frame. And we know that because every six months or every three months in the business updates, we get the reports from the companies that basically flagging the challenges, and this is a constant. It's also when you look in the performance of asset classes, and uh, you could talk maybe a bit more about this with Paul from Phillips, but you can see this consistent performance in the Spider Gold Shares ETF outpacing most global and regional benchmarks over the past five years with returns in the vicinity of 60% over those five years. I think the ETFs gained around 10 to 12% this year ability for gold to act as a safe haven type of asset market amidst the geopolitical issues that we've got. It has remained firmly in the frame. As I said, we're ending the year on a high for the price of gold, which is in the vicinity of that 2070 US dollars an ounce. The minimum transaction size for a gold-focused ETF here is one unit, and that's equivalent to actually 0.094 ounces of gold so if you Mm. wanted to trade or have exposure to one ounce you'd have to buy or sell 11 units of the ETF I should say.
0: Mm. I mean Jeff I feel like the key buzzword or the catalyst of stock markets this year was of course interest rates right? So what other factors you know aside from interest rates are market watchers looking out for in the year ahead?
1: Yeah I think Apart from the interest rate cycle, the trade cycle's been really important, the electronic cycle and the real estate cycle. Singapore's total trade, when you add exports plus imports, is four times the average in Asia, three times the global average. Mm-hmm. And we're on track to climb over in the vicinity of around 12% this year in our NOTEX. Obviously, we've seen some green shoots of recovery recently. But looking forward to next year, obviously Nodex would be supported by a base effect from this year and the eventuality of mm-hmm. less tight financial conditions if that does eventuate. And you've also got the World Trade Organization maintaining overall mm-hmm. global merchandise trade volume will accelerate to 3.3% next year from 0.8% this year. So that's pretty important too, Mm because when you look at overall global merchandise trade, that growth this year is pretty close to what Singapore's GDP growth was as well. In terms of the sectors that really impact the trade, the Ministry of Trade and Industry, it maintains its 2024 growth prospects of the manufacturing and the trade-related sectors in Singapore are expected to improve in tandem with the turnaround in global electronics demand. Then in turn, look at the global electronics cycle. The big global semiconductor associations do maintain. The rebound next year is expected to continue through to 2026. They expect when you're looking and breaking down the whole value chain of electronics they expect wafer shipments to set new highs silicon demand to increase and this is all to support artificial intelligence high performance computing 5g and of course as we do discuss the automotive and the industrial applications but i should just also add on the property market too when you look across apac commercial real estate investment activity. Most investors, according to CBRE, have adjusted their expectations for a recovery mid-next year. For the China housing market, the IMF did flag in November that while there are numerous measures to support the property market, more is needed to secure a quicker recovery, more initiatives that could include accelerating the exit of the non-viable developers, assisting the viable developers to repair their balance sheets and to adapt to a smaller property market, remove those impediments to housing price adjustments that does actually track quite a bit of press and then also allocate additional central government funding for housing completion Mm -hmm. and then of course central government initiatives to work with local governments. So that's in the China but also for global real estate markets JLL also maintained the impact of uncertainty and the higher rates were clearly evident in global real estate markets this year. But they think there is signs for improvement next year, adding that it could next year mark a turning point for U.S. office space.
0: And how has the Singapore technology factor then our sector fared this year?
1: Yeah, it's interesting, right? Because yeah. the IMF discussion papers, the very first paper off the bat this year was mm-hmm. about the impact of sort of trade controls and the negative that impact that would have on technology and economic efficiency. And we did see quite a bit of fragmentation this mm-hmm. year. So Apple, Microsoft, Google, Amazon, NVIDIA, Meta and Tesla, <laughs> they generated median gains of around 80% this year. Yeah, but they when had you... a
0: great year this year.
1: Yeah, exactly. And And a lot of that was related to, obviously, the AI focus. But when you look at the fragmentation and the impact it's having here... When you take every single technology stock listed across Asia Pacific mm-hmm. and you divide it into two, the top half by market capitalization or market value and the bottom half by market capitalisation, so the bigger stocks and the less bigger stocks, the biggest stocks across APAC, their median total return was in the vicinity of 20% for the year, mm-hmm. but the bottom half of APAC tech stocks, the ones with the lower market cap, generated median total return in vicinity of 1%. So there is obviously the, some fragmentation there working in the business and in the industry as it had its down cycle. But for our companies, UMS still believes semiconductor business will benefit from the AI boom. Malaysia's EPF has continued to build its interest in AEM this year, which into has continued to invest in developing its suite of Test 2 innovations and capabilities to Mm -hmm. enable it to really enhance its customer engagements to next generation test requirements and then of course Silver Lake Access has added that machine learning tech and AI are really being widely used in the banking sector and Silver Lake's addressing that with its new cloud-like solution.
0: Okay. Well, any other segments of the market to watch?
1: One theme I think and five kind of stocks relevant to it would probably be funds management. Okay. We are a financial hub here. We Mm -hmm. know that there's over more than 5 trillion assets under management here. The three banks, 30% of their total income has been generated from non-interest income, which was up 20% this year. I think more lucid conditions for deal-making, mergers acquisition and the ability to move money across different pots will increase next year. I think Goldman Sachs maintain staying active, more focus on diversification, risk management and further prescribing integrated approaches to portfolio construction, for instance, putting public and private investing together, can work. So you look at our companies that are making pivots to this type of business, capital and investment has been targeting, I think it was 100 billion funds under management for 2024. I think it stood at 89 billion the 30th of June. It also has, I think it's 9 billion sing in committed but undeployed capital in it's embedded funds under under management. You've got Jam Financial Holdings, Mm. which has around 4 billion sing of AUM and the group is seeking to gradually increase its investments outside China over the next five years to fifty percent of the portfolio. Then you've got Keppel's big strategic proposed acquisition of Airmont Capital, you know, the big asset management in Europe. And should also mention IFAST and its global hub AI in Malaysia as well. So there's a lot in this sector that obviously could benefit if we do see less tighter financial conditions in the velocity of people moving money around and so forth.
0: I mean it looks like we also have a lot to look out for the year ahead but Jeff, before we let you go here, what is the outlook for financial conditions next year, given so much hinges on it?
1: Yeah, exactly. That's what these more positive outlooks for these sectors like funds management all very much hinge on. CME, Ag, FedWatch expectations, they're anchored to 150 basis points of Fed funds cut over the eight scheduled FOMCs. You've got the four incoming FOMC voters, Loretta Mester, Tom Bark Mary Daly. They are seen to be among the more dovish of all the governors. Raphael Bostic, is the incoming but and he's the one hawk of the four so it's slightly more dovish fomc it's the inflation numbers obviously everything is also contingent on with those tighter financial conditions and as long as the pce core continues to decline as we saw then we would expect uh, less tighter financial conditions but locally economists do not expect the mas to move in january but possibly there's more, better, more consensus or greater expectations that there might look to a slight reduction to the slope of the nominal effective exchange rate policy ban note maybe in april 2024
0: I see. Well, thank you so much, Jeff, for joining me once again today.
1: Absolutely, thanks very much, Hongbin.
0: I'm looking forward to more conversations with you in the year ahead.
1: Thank you so much. See you then.
0: See ya. Happy New Year.
1: Yep. You too. Happy New Year to all the investors and listeners.
0: (laughs) We've been speaking to Jeff Howie, market strategist at the SGX. I'm Hongbin Jung, and this has been your market wrap on Market View. Stay with Money FM 89.3. Before acting on the information on Money FM. Please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at audio.sg or download the audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O, audio at the App Store and Google Play.